I want to begin this today. On your outline, I've placed a verse. There, there are two things that really jump out at me when Jesus speaks to his disciples. So there on your outline, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And uh, he says there, and I'm going to have you underline a couple of parts of this passage. Jesus says, truly I say to you that there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he will receive a hundred times, and I've underlined that, as much now in the present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms. But I want you to underline where it says, along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. And so Jesus is speaking about here, the here and now, and he's also speaking about the future. And on the one hand, we look at this verse and we see that God loves to bless his children. He loves to bless those who are following him. And that's certainly something that he promises. And I love talking about the blessing when we go through the Bible. And it's God many, many times talks about how he just loves to bless his kids. And if, if you were to read, uh, I would say, the most popular Christian books that are out there in the market today, most of them focus in on the blessing that God wants to bring in our lives. And that's not a, not a bad thing, but, but if we're not careful, we can come to the gospel, we can come to Jesus, and we can, because of what's out in the world, think that it's all about God coming alongside of us to help us accomplish our dreams, our desires, our passions, and you know, he enhances our life. Well, there may be some of that, but if we, ex- if we focus exclusively on that, we miss the reality that's also very glaring in Scripture. And I had you underline it. Jesus says, yes, farms and, and mothers and you know, all, all the relatives and all this stuff. But then he says, along with persecutions, and, and hopefully you underline that. You see, the reality is that not everybody is going to appreciate our love for Jesus and our love for the things of God. And so we will talk as we travel through Matthew about God's incredible blessing in our lives. But today we need to look at the other side because this is what Jesus is talking about in our passage today. If we don't talk about the other side, the difficulty that comes with following the Lord, then what takes place is when we find ourselves in difficulty, we find ourselves blindsided because it wasn't what we expected. And so we're going to look at that today. So Matthew chapter 10 began in verse 1 with Jesus out of a number of disciples choosing 12 that would be his apostles. In verse 1 it says Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast out and heal, uh, to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Then it says in the names of the 12 apostles and we looked at that. So he has a number of disciples. These are going to be his apostles, the ones that he's going to invest in. One of the things that Jesus does is that when in their lives and in our lives as you begin to follow the Lord, he will begin to place you in situations where you have to trust him. And that's the way that we grow. We, we, we're in situations where we have to trust what he has said over our circumstances. So the way that he's going to grow his disciples in this situation is he's going to send his 12 out in groups of two on a short-term missions trip. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 5 and it says these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them do not go to the do not go in the way of the gentiles and do not any enter any city of the samaritans but rather go to the lost sheep and I've underlined lost sheep of the house of Israel and as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand now again, this is going to be a very short-term missions trip. It's going to be maybe three weeks, no longer than three months, most suggest a month or so. But it's a short-term missions trip. 
and, and unique in this trip. And I want you to write this down. We saw it in verse 6. It says, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So from last time, they are first sent, I want you to write this down, to the lost sheep of Israel. That's going to be important for our study. And then we went down to verse 15, but I'm going to pick it up in verse 14. And he says, whoever does not receive you, nor heed your words as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet, for truly I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom, uh, for, for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. And so from last time, one of the things that we noticed, and please write this down also, this particular short-term missions trip that they're going on, there will be rejection but not persecution. So there's no mention here of of persecution, but it's a short-term trip and there's going to be some rejection. And that took us all the way through verse 15. We're going to pick it up in verse 16. Now, Um, in verse 16, everything changes. And we're going to call this section here the future disciples. Now, the reason that this is so important is that some will hold that what we're talking about today refers to the first three centuries after Jesus is crucified, dead, buried, raised from the dead, ascends to heaven, the disciples go out and what they experience. And I I think there's some truth there. and There's a lot of good evidence for that. Uh, but it appears to refer to something that's much later, what you and I would call the end times, and uh, also a time period that's yet in the future that's referred to as the tribulation. So we're going to talk about that today. So uh, verse 16, we pick it up, and he says, Behold, I send you out as sheep, and I've underlined that, in the midst of wolves, and I've underlined that, so be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. So in that first missionary journey, Jesus sent them out to the lost sheep of Israel. But here everything's going to be different. It's going to be an entirely different event that he's talking about. Here, not to the lost sheep, but in this case, and once you write this down, they will be the sheep sent out among wolves. And Jesus here is going to give some instruction and preparation for their long-term mission. And we're going to see in this that the tenses change. It goes from the present to the future. And certainly what Jesus talks about in the short-term trip is going to be very, very different. He's going to prepare them for the coming persecution. So we're also going to see in this that the appearance of some of the things that Jesus talks about are referenced in other passages that refer to the end times and specifically a time period known as the tribulation. And so we'll highlight that as we go. So now they're being sent out as wolves. Verse 16 it says, Behold I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. And so here you want to write down that they're going to have to learn, they're going to have to learn innocence as well as wariness. Innocence as well as weariness. They're going to have to be tough-minded and yet tender-hearted. So as they carry the gospel, they're going to have to be as defenseless uh, as, as, a, as a dove, and yet they're going to have to be on the alert. It's interesting that he uses the phrase, at least in my translation, to be as shrewd as snakes. In, in that day, in ancient Israel, if you saw a snake, the first thing you wanted to do was kill it. Not a lot's changed, especially uh, for, for a lot of you here today, but, but in that day, the snake was representative of something that had to be very wise in order to exist. See, a snake has to know when to come out, when to hide, where to go. They have to be very, very creative if they want to survive. 
And so they have to be very, very shrewd in how they operate. So it's interesting that he uses that. And then he says you have to be innocent as doves. That is, you have to be harmless as you go out, but you're going to have to exercise a great deal of wisdom. So you're going to have to be uh, very, very shrewd in what you do. Well, verse 17, he says, but beware of men. And I've underlined that. For they will hand you over to the courts, underline that, and scourge you in their synagogues. Underline that, their synagogues. So here, very interesting, he says, beware of men. Beware of men. And the idea is that as they go out, they can no longer be gullible. Because if they're gullible, what's going to take place? Verse 17, it says, they will hand you over however your Bible says it. But there on your outline, I've put the Greek word there and what that, what that literally means. So there on your outline, when it says hand you over, and I know some of your Bibles say it a little bit different, it means to betray. It means to betray. Does everybody see that? And so they'll betray you or give you over. Again, reiterating the need to be cautious. Here what he's saying is as they go out in whatever time period he's talking about, there are going to be some people who are going to be one way on the outside, but you have to use a great deal of wisdom and you have to be shrewd because if you don't, they will then show their true colors and then turn you over and uh, you'll go to the courts and you'll go into and be flogged in their synagogues. We'll talk about that. Now, you and I, we don't typically worry about that, at least not right now in the United States of America. But the rest of the world is not like it is here in America. Back in 2006, we as a church, we went to Israel. And in this, on Sunday morning, we were in the old city of Jerusalem. If you've ever been there, you know it's, it's, it's a fascinating thing. There was what was called a Palestinian church. And so this church was made up of people who had come from a Muslim background and they had become believers. Now in this church it was where all the shops and all the stores were. So the way that they would come to church, a husband and wife would simply be walking through as if they are shopping and then they would then casually step into the door of the church which did not say church on the outside. And the reason they had to do that was because if their family or their friends saw that they had converted and become a Christian, it could mean terrible things, even death for them and honor killings and, and all of that. So, uh, so here he says there, you have to beware of men. Now I also mentioned that some people see the passage that we're looking at today as a reference to the end times, and I think that's true, and also to a time period that's also in the future that's referred to as the tribulation. There is one chapter in the Gospel of Matthew that Jesus deals specifically with end times, the tribulation, and, and all that takes place, and that'll be Matthew 24. So we're going to see a lot of parallels in this chapter and with Matthew 24. So there in your outline in Matthew 24, he says, then you will be handed over, and it's that same Greek word means to be betrayed, to be persecuted. And so uh, for this reason, some people, and, and I would hold, feel that this pertains to the end times of that time period called the tribulation. He says in verse 17, you'll be handed over and flogged in the synagogues. So here in verse 17, what we see is, and you want to write this down, persecution will come from government, that's the courts, and religion, flogged in their synagogues. One of the things I, I want to highlight very quickly in verse 17, it begins, or it ends by saying they will scourge you 
in their synagogues. Does everybody see the word there? And here Jesus is saying, whatever's taking place as they reject me, I'm not part of that. And so that's their thing. It's, it's not ours, it's, it's theirs. And that'll be important for our study. Verse 18, he says, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. Now underline the word Gentiles. I didn't put it on your outline but the word for Gentiles there is the word ethnos. Ethnos uh, just means ethnic groups, uh, races, different groups of people. And uh, so that when it says Gentiles, it just means all different types of, of, of races. So um, verse 18, this is going to be very different than the first missionary journey that they go out to the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, here what we find, I want you to write this down, verse 18, this ministry will impact the Gentiles impact the Gentiles. Verse 19 and 20, for it is not you who speak, uh, of verse 19, I'm sorry, but when they hand you over, by the way where it says hand you over is that word again for to betray, betray you over. Do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the spirit of your father who speaks in you. So very interesting that Jesus says this before the Holy Spirit is given. So it's speaking of a time in the future. Well, verse 21, it says, brother will betray brother, uh, brother will betray brother to death. Everybody underline the word death. Now this is one of Pastor Dan's uh, positive, uplifting, encouraging messages as you can already tell, I'm sure. So brother, that was funnier in my office, brother will betray brother to death, and you want to underline that, and a father, his child, and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death, put to death. Verse 22, you will be hated by all, underline by all, because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Well, here what we find, he says brother will rise up against brother, father, child, child, father. And uh, so here what we find is persecution will come from family. So you want to write that down. Now, you and I here in America, we think that coming to Jesus is going to make us a better dad, a better mom, a better sibling, and that's true. But that's not true around the world. Around the world and other places, coming to Jesus can mean some great division and great difficulty. And uh, so we, we looked in verse 21, he says, brother will betray brother to death, and the very last line it says, and will cause them to be put to death. And so for some, and I want you to write this down, following Jesus will mean death for many. Death for many. Now again, you and I don't typically experience this in the United States of America. But around the world, this, play, this takes place very, uh, very often. For instance, if you're in Saudi Arabia and you become a Christian, the, the penalty for that is death. And in many Muslim countries, to become a Christian, uh, the penalty is just simply death. So the question is, how does somebody find out that you are a Christian? Um, because one of your family members feels that they are honoring their God by turning you in. And so when it talks about brother will deliver brother and child against father, that's what it's talking about. 
and it's very common around the world. Again, we don't experience that here in the United States of America right now. Does that make sense? Okay, say it like you mean it. Okay, good, good, good. All right, now, um, if this is a reference to the end times, and I'm, I'm going to show in a few minutes that I believe that it really is, uh, then the three institutions that God has ordained, the government, religion, and family, are all three in this time hostile to the truth of Jesus and uh, find themselves opposing. And so we'll, we'll see how that, that goes. And verse 22, he says, you will be hated by all because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. So hear what Jesus is saying, and this is the uncomfortable truth, at least in this time and certainly throughout church history, but you want to write this down, the unavoidable consequences of following Jesus are persecution and at times being hated by all, those who who would reject. And um, Paul would say it like this, Paul says, indeed all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And that's no matter what time period you and I live in. To follow Jesus, there's going to be persecution. Uh, Again, Matthew 24, which deals with this time period called the tribulation and end times, will say it like this there in your outline. They then, or then, they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you and you'll be hated by all nations. And that word there is ethnos, which just means races, different types of people, because of my name. So here in, in chapter 10, it's hated by all. And chapter 24, it's hated by all nations or people groups. And um, I believe that this refers to a time that we are moving into and a time that is just around the corner. It's becoming increasingly difficult to be a Christian in our society. And yet it's a whole lot better here than the rest of the world. And, And so when it says hated by all, there is persecution around the world, but we can't really say that we're hated by all just yet. But that time is coming, and I believe is just around the corner. Verse 22, he says, you'll be hated by all, and because of my name, uh, because of my name, but it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. I love it says, because of my name. In our world, you can talk about God as long as you don't say the word Jesus. And uh, when you talk about God and you can't say Jesus, whatever God we're talking about is not the God of the Bible, because you, you can't have that one without Jesus. So he says that the verse 22, the very last line, he says, the one who has endured to the end will be saved. Now you and I, we read that, the one who endures to the end will be saved. And uh, we think, well, you better make it. You know, you better hang on. Because if you don't hang on, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be saved. In their culture and in their language, they took it somewhat differently than the way that it's translated into English. So if you take a commentary, typically a commentary will say something like this, on this passage. It will say, by this statement Jesus gives great assurance that in spite of an increase in persecution, the hatred of humanity will not overcome his disciples. The idea is that you're not enduring um, to be saved. We would say it a little bit different. There on your outline, here's how we would say it. They aren't saved because they endure. What he's saying is they endure because they are saved. 
See, the reality is if God's Spirit is in you, it's in that time that He gives you what you need in order to endure in that time of persecution. And uh, so the, the, the enduring becomes the evidence of salvation, but it's not the cause of salvation. So you're, you're not saved because you endure, you endure because you're saved. But then again in Matthew 24, which talks exclusively of the end times, he will say this there in your outline, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. The same shall be saved. So again, uh, many feel like this is referring to that time period of the end times or the tribulation, or at the time just before the tribulation bleeding into that. Verse 23, but whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. So there's two aspects of this verse. First of all, he says, but whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. The idea is, is you don't stay there and take it. If, if you can get away, go somewhere else. There was, if you've ever taken church history, there was in the early days, in the first 200 years, people would get so tired of hiding and they'd lose their jobs and their house and you know because they were Christians and it was just a very, very difficult time and they would feed Christians to the lions and, and Christians would finally say, you know, I'm I'm tired of I'm tired of this. And so they would literally go to the Romans and say, I give up. I'm a Christian. Feed me to the lions. And people thought that was a, a quick way to to get out of this mess. Uh, so that the church had to issue an edict saying that no, that's not, you can't just go give yourself up. You have to keep going and, and uh, because, uh, anyways, that, that also was a lot funnier in my office, but, but it's, it's not so funny here today. So, but what I want to talk about today is, is why I believe this is referring to a time period called the end times and why I believe that you and I are in that generation. And so verse 23, he says, but whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, and this is the part that I've underlined, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. And make sure you read that. You will not, you will not, go, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Now, this was considered one of the most perplexing verses in the New Testament for 2,000 years. And the reason that it was perplexing to people is because in 70 AD, the Roman general Titus Vespasian surrounded Jerusalem, came and literally wiped out the city, burned down the temple, and the entire nation of Israel was destroyed, essentially. Jewish people at that point moved out of Israel. And so Israel ceased to exist as a nation. And so they would look at that through the years and they would say, nobody is going through the cities or villages of Israel because they're not there. They're not there. Because for the most part, the area that you and I would call Israel was in ruins. There, there were, Jewish people just weren't there. Uh, again, um, there are those, as I said, those who believe that this refers to the end times and then bleeds over to this time period called the tribulation. There are several references that we looked at that appear to be or the time period called the tribulation, which is talked about in Revelation. First of all, it says that they'd be hated by all in our passage. And uh, 
certainly Christians are, are now the most persecuted religion faith on the earth, and yet I wouldn't say we were hated by all, but we're, we're certainly moving in that direction. Uh, the, the tribulation time period, he says, those who endure to the end will be saved, and we talk about that, and that's specifically of that time. Uh, in that time, as you study the book of Revelation, you do find that the three institutions that God has ordained, family, religion, and government, are all hostile to the believer in that time. But verse 23 says, but they won't be able to go through all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Now, what I have always found so fascinating about this is that Israel is the only nation on the planet in the history of the world that existed, ceased to exist as a nation, and 2,000 years later comes back into its homeland and becomes a nation. It's the only nation where this has happened. And not two generations, but almost 2,000 years. So I want to share a passage with you which was written by Isaiah about 800 years before Jesus was even born. And we're going to underline a couple of things and hopefully to bring some perspective to this. There on your outline, it says in Isaiah 11, it says, then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time, underline second time, with his hand, the remnant of his people, who will remain, underline that word remain, I want to talk about that, from Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, Shinar, Shinar is Iraq by the way, Hamath, and from the islands of the sea, underline that. And he will lift up a standard for the nations, and he will assemble the banished ones of Israel, underline that, and will gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So a couple of things here. First of all, he says he will recover and bring back into the land a second time. There was, uh, this was before Israel was removed from the land the first time. It, It was hundreds of years before Jesus was born. It's called the Babylonian captivity. The Babylonians come, they take under King Nebuchadnezzar, they take the nation of Israel, take them literally back to Iraq. And we have those great stories of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's, that's what all that is talking about. Well, after that time period, God miraculously brought his people back into the homeland, and Israel was once again a nation. Well, time goes by, but this talks about the second time that God does this. Well, the second time that Israel is banished will be very different than the first time. The first time Israel went to this land called Babylon or Iraq, the second time it says that they will go to it and it lists all of these nations, Assyria, Egypt, Pathros, Cush, Elam, and and they will go to literally all the four corners of the world. And at a certain point, God said, and Israel ceased to exist as a nation. So they went out for 2,000 years. And at a certain point, God says, I will then bring them back into their land. Now, interesting to me, he says, where I'm, he lists where he's going to bring them from. But he says, from the islands of the sea. And hopefully you underline that. Because if you're in ancient Israel, 800 years before Jesus was born, you didn't have a word for other continents. So you would just use the word that meant 
across the sea. And so across the sea. Also interesting, he says when he's going to do this, he says there in your outline, that verse, he says, then it will happen on that day that the Lord will again recover the second time with his hand the remnant of his people who remain. Now Israel becomes a nation again in 1948 with those who remain. Apparently something happens just before Israel becomes a nation that, that we're now talking about those who remain. What happened just before 1948? The Holocaust. So of those who remain from the four corners of the earth, he will bring them back into the land. And again, in case we miss it, from the four corners of the earth. Israel, if I can say it again, is the only nation that existed outside of its homeland for 2,000 years to then come back and become a nation again. Now, that's the way it talks about in the, in the book of Isaiah, 800 years before Jesus is even born. One day Jesus is talking and Jesus says this, and when Israel comes back into the land, that begins what you and I would call the last of the last, last days. So Jesus says it like this, Israel will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive, and underlined, into all the nations. Same thing that Isaiah told us. And that, and that took place in 70 AD. And Jerusalem, very specifically, will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until, underline that word until, the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So here, Jesus gives a very Jerusalem-specific prophecy. The Jewish people, shortly after Jesus' ministry is over in 70 AD, will go into all the nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles be completed. So 70 AD, Israel ceases to exist as a nation. For 2,000 years almost, Israel is not under Jewish control. It's literally trampled underfoot by the nations. But in 1967, something happens. Israel becomes a nation in 1948. But in 1967, there's what's called the Six-Day War. It's in that time, although Israel becomes a nation, they don't have Jerusalem, at least not all of it. But during the Six-Day War, the main thing that they walk away with is at the end of that war, they, for the first time in 2,000 years, have control of the city of Jerusalem. Jesus says, when that happens, that shows that the time of the Gentiles is shutting rather quickly. And when that takes place, Jesus says, this will be the next thing that happens. Not immediately, but the next thing. There on your outline. Luke continues, and he says, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars. And upon the earth, dismay among nations in perplexity at the roaring of the seas and the waves men fainting from fear and the expectation of the things which are coming upon the world. The idea is that it's not going to get better. Uh, the next thing that happens event-wise is going to be what, what's commonly referred to as the tribulation. Good news, story for another day. If you're a believer, you're not going to be in that time period, but that's a story for another day. I'm just talking about world history as it goes. 
And then Jesus goes a few verses down. He's laid all of this out. Israel's going to be taken captive. They'll come back. When you see Jerusalem, know that the time of the Gentiles is coming close. Uh, Then you have that time period. And so Jesus then says this, same chapter. He says, so you also, when you see these things happening, Israel becomes a nation again. Israel takes back Jerusalem for the first time in 2,000 years. Know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Not the generation of Jesus' day, the generation that sees these things take place. Israel becomes a nation. Israel takes back biblical Jerusalem. That generation does not pass away until it's all wrapped up. So as we get closer and closer to that time, for the first time in 2,000 years, verse 23 makes a great deal of sense. Whenever they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man, until the Son of Man comes. Again, perplexing for 2,000 years. But now, for the first time in history, at least for the past 2,000 years, it is possible to go to the cities of Israel, but before the cities of Israel are gone through with the gospel, he says, the Son of Man will come before that takes place. That could not happen uh, over the last 2,000 years because Israel did not exist as a nation. There were no cities of Israel in Israel. Does that make sense? So as we get closer, as we get closer, the Bible talks about there will be an increase of hostility against the believer. Uh, it doesn't get better and better as we get closer. If anything, the, the, the hostility just, just increases. So let me close with this and um, uh, from, from Peter, and he says this, Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though something strange were happening to you. But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of His glory you may rejoice with exultation. The the idea is if we don't talk about this side, then we're surprised when the fiery ordeal comes upon us. And so I don't want anybody here at Calvary to be surprised. We do get to talk a great deal about God's blessing, but then there's that other side. Much of church life does not like to talk about this other side, but if you don't talk about this other side, it's really no longer uh, the full counsel of God. Does that make sense? Okay. Well, I'm going to close this positive, uplifting, encouraging message uh, by closing in prayer. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word, and thank you, Lord, for the warning of what is to come so that we are not surprised when these things take place. Lord, we know that, that um, although these things are uncomfortable, these, these things come straight from your mouth. And uh, so you're warning your people. And so, Lord, help us to discern, help us to be wise, help us as we go forward to represent you well and rightly in all things and the time and place where you've called us to be. Father, we pray that by your spirit we would be empowered, Lord, to live this out as you see fit in our lives. I pray that you keep us till we meet again. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, and all God's people said, God bless you guys. We'll see you next time.